Rainmaker FM. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your host, Kelton Reed. And this week, prolific pro-comedy writer, author, and amateur parenting expert James Breakwell took a time out to rap with me about at Exploding Unicorn and his rise to viral Twitter fame, how he juggles multiple writing projects, his family and his sanity, and the writer as entrepreneur. In the early days of his writing career, James told me that he knew he wouldn't score a book deal sending out query letters or tossing his ideas over the transom, so he decided to build an online following for his unique, self-effacing comedy. Finding inspiration in his family of four girls all under the age of eight, he turned his attentions to blogging, webcomics, podcasting, and family humor on Twitter, where he eventually found viral fame. In 2016, BuzzFeed dubbed him the funniest dad on Twitter, and shortly thereafter, his audience grew in a big way. He's been featured on media outlets around the world, has attracted over a million followers on social media, has signed multiple book deals, and even writes a column for a newspaper. His second book, Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child, comes out November 6, 2018, and is a book about doing as little as possible without quite ruining your kid. New York Times bestselling author Kristen Higgins said, Parents, read this book and free yourself from the blood sport that parenting has become. And bestselling author Liliana Hart wrote, Breakwell has a hit, uproariously funny, and at times unexpectedly poignant. Join us for this two-part interview. In part one of this file, James and I discussed the irony of the tenure overnight success, why James hated journalism right out of college, why it's better to practice your art in public, how to be so good they can't ignore you, why comedy writers need an audience to improve, and the author's unique process for writing 10,000 words in a day. And just a quick note, The Writer Files is now available on Spotify in addition to most major podcast platforms. Stay tuned. Hey, authors, online publishers, and content creators. Could your content marketing campaigns use a little more persuasive firepower? This fall, copyblogger.com is launching their very first copywriting course just for content marketers. You'll learn how to make the most of your unique strengths and how to overcome the challenges that so many content writers face. If you want to learn how to be more persuasive with your copy, point your browser to rainmaker.fm copywriting. That's rainmaker.fm copywriting and get on the list to find out more about that brand new course coming soon. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcast to help other writers find us. And we are rolling once again on The Writer Files today. I, I always say I have a special guest. As I listen back to some of my other shows, I realize I say I have a special guest every single time. But this time, I really have a, an esteemed guest. James Breakwell is joining me today. Thank you so much for uh, hopping on here to do this, James. Thank you very much uh, for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. And I got to say, I've listened to all the episodes, but it's weird hearing you now because I always listen to you at double speed. So everything seems <laughs> slow to me. Okay, I'll try to speak a little faster on this one. <laughs> we'll get in a lot of content. Um, yeah, man. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you, <laughs> you're doing a lot of things. So let's get into it and talk about how you do all these things. I mean, 
So Exploding Unicorn, for those uh, listeners who don't know, is this extremely hilarious viral Twitter account that you created, right? Yes. Yeah. It went, uh, it went viral in 2016 after a, a whole bunch of years of plugging away at it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, like so often we talk about the, you know, kind of the irony of like the 10 year overnight success <laughs> because you, you've been a writer forever, right. And a content creator and, and comedy writer and, and you do all these other things like podcasting. And, and of course you are a dad, um, to four girls all under eight now. Yes, yes, we have a we have a house full of girls. It keeps us busy, that's for sure. <laughs> right, and so listeners who know Exploding Unicorn in any of the uh, social media platforms where you share your content, uh, I'll of course link to all of them, but you're Exploding Unicorn on Twitter, and you have, uh, of course, an Instagram, you're on Facebook, and your home base is there at uh, explodingunicorn.com, which links, obviously, to all of this great content, including um, your books, which you're going to talk about, and your web comics, articles that you've written. You, you, you are, were also you were writing a parenting column, right, for a newspaper? Yeah, that uh, that was kind of my goal, and it took me a whole long time to uh, to get there. Do you want my convoluted story now? Yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so for listeners who might not be familiar with your your winding path to this fantastic uh, success, give us a little bit of that background. So I, I've known I wanted to be a comedy writer for a long time, and uh, I wasn't real sure how to make a living at it. I kind of thought I'd be the next Dave Barry and work my way up and and get a column at the Indie Star and then kind of get that into books and go from there. Uh, but I, I, out of college, I got a job at a mid-sized newspaper, and I, I just hated it. Journalism was not for me. Uh, to be a journalist, you, be, you have to be sarcastic. The best journalists are sarcastic, but you've also got to <laughs> kind of have the desire underneath to want to save the world. Uh, yeah. And I didn't have the save the world part of it. I just had the sarcasm. <laughs> so a, a year in, I had to, uh, I had to get out of that. And uh, then I just got a job in a cubicle and I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to write on the side. And I, my idea was I, I looked out at how people got book deals outside of journalism. And there was just this huge crush of humanity trying to get just, you know, a very few number of deals. And I thought I'm going to build up an audience and then the publishers will come to me. Uh, so I spent years and years writing comedy articles on my blog and I, I just couldn't get anybody to read them. And then finally I moved on to Twitter as a way to drive traffic to that blog. And Twitter's where I found my niche because it gives you it gives you instant feedback for what's working and what's not. And that's right. not what I was getting on the blog. You know, on the blog, you spend five hours writing a piece and then you get two comments. One says, ha ha, that's hilarious. And one says, delete your blog. And that's that's really not <laughs> useful feedback. So I, I went ahead and, you know, I figured out people like jokes about my kids they like these back and forth conversations so i went from kind of the the guy who jokes about everything to the guy who writes about you know raising his four daughters with jokes about that and um, then my account started growing from there and then finally it, it went viral and i got to the point where i got a, my first book deal and then uh, i was promoting my book i got in touch with the indie star and i wrote a I, I was i did an interview with them and it went really well and then they offered me a column so kind of this in this very yeah. roundabout way i wanted to start out at the indie star i ended up quitting journalism and i ended up right back there where i wanted to be in the first place. So it was, uh, it was not the route I expected to take. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing story. And, uh, yeah, I've heard you talk about just kind of the, that winding path and, and how long it took you to break through, but it must feel pretty good now. Um, kind of where you're sitting with the, with a new book kind of on the horizon, which, um, comes out or will be out as of November 6th, correct? 
Yes, yes. So Bare Minimum Parenting is my second book. It's Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. And it's, it's kind of the opposite of all those other parenting guides out there. There's so many books who tell you like all the extra things you could do to help your kid along, to give them the edge, to push them ahead. And I just think, what's the point of that? I think we we become adults and everything kind of averages out. You can't tell who had a super mom and dad and who just had regular parents and who had extra tutoring and who didn't. We, when we're adults, we're all kind of mediocre. So my, my premise is if we're all going to end up mediocre and average anyway, what's the easiest way to get your kid to being an average without, you know, without going overboard? And, uh, and in doing that, I just set out to write a funny book, but, but I accidentally proved a point. I think by the end of it, I convinced myself and hopefully I'll convince the readers that actually your kids are going to be better off if you take it easy and relax, maybe don't obsess quite as much that I think you'll come out with, with, you know, more even keeled kids rather than these parents who put all this pressure on them. So hopefully, hopefully that message uh, will get through, but yeah, it was, it was a really fun book to write and hopefully it'll be a fun book to, book to read. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it quite a bit um, as a father myself. And um, it's funny, but yeah, as, as you say, you, you did kind of prove a point because I think I did also read something recently about this very phenomenon that, you know, there's only like 10, only like 10% of, you know, the things you think uh, matter actually do uh, affect, you know, kind of the <laughs> outcome or, or the neurobiology or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never looked at an adult and thought, man, I bet that guy had the wrong kind of stroller when he was a baby. Like you just, there's no <laughs> way to trace it back to that one specific thing. Right. Um, it's pretty amazing. So the book is about doing as little as possible without quite ruining your child. And of course there's some tongue and cheek stuff, but yeah, that, the, the truth does um, really kind of shine through there as a parent. I think parents are really going to kind of connect with that. Um, it's gotten some, some funny blurbs there with humor, insight, and honesty, smart ass James Breakwell tells you what no other parenting book has the guts to say, relax, you and the kids will be just fine. And, and, you know, so many, I think first time parents do really just obsess about the, the smallest little things that make no difference whatsoever. Right. Yeah, and it's it's especially bad when you're a first time parent. But I mean, there are people who carry it through all their kids. They they, they really they they just kind of lose perspective and they just become you know just consumed by their kid's life. That becomes their top priority and everything. And it's like why? I mean, I I think your kid's going to turn out more or less the same. It's kind of a kind of an exercise in narcissism to say, well, my kid, everything is up to me. That everything will will be a product of my decisions. When you know it's a whole separate person. They're going through their own experiences. They have their own goals and dreams. And maybe we just need to take a step back and let them be them. And it's not a book by any means about being a bad parent, despite the, what the title implies. I mean, it's really a book about just, just giving your, yourself permission to not worry about all of your decisions, to say what I'm doing now is probably fine and I don't need to go out and do a crazy amount extra. I'm, I'm enough already on my own. So hopefully hopefully that's a, re, a message that resonates and maybe counteracts some of the books that say, and especially the websites that say you need to obsess about everything and, and you know, lose sleep over this. Hold on a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. No problem. That's that's perfect. I think I'll leave yeah. in the. Uh... I get nervous about recording this podcast. I try. I try to record all my stuff after nine at night because everybody's in bed and asleep. I thought, oh man, the animals are going to be up. The kids are going to be up. What's going to happen? <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> we'll see if they stay out. No, it's great. It's great. Um, it's real. Yeah, <laughs> this is my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, kind of looking ahead. You know, I know it seems like you're, you've got your fingers in a lot of different stuff. Of course, you know, you're just a pro prolific content creator. So in the run up to kind of the book launch, 
are you uh work, are you also simultaneously working on these multiple other projects you know are you podcasting are you doing the web comics or are you just kind of focusing on the book right now no they i, I never stop projects it's a big mistake i make i just add more projects to the pile so every time i have something big coming out like a book i've still got the daily tweets going out i've still got the three daily web comics i've still got the two podcasts it all i still got the column it all just keeps going and unfortunately the way the timing always works out is every time i'm promoting one book that's about to launch i've got another book that's about due so i've got another i've got another deadline coming up in december and i i need to to look ahead and probably plan my life a bit better but really, I, I guess I, I've just I, I've seen such benefits from not giving up on projects like my web comics, for example, on jamesbreakwell.com. I've got a, a web comic with stick figures and I, I use it on Instagram now. It's actually causing me to grow on Instagram. But for years, I didn't make any money on that. I thought I'm wasting my time with this. Nobody's reading it, but I just stuck with it. I've I've made 1700 of those daily comics in a row. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden with my first book, I was able to use them in the book and they had a purpose. And now they're actually causing me to grow on Instagram. And that does lead to ad revenue and and things like that. So I've I found the benefit to just kind of sticking with things that don't necessarily seem like they make a lot of sense right away, as long as I have fun doing them. And as long as I think I can put out something that people will enjoy. So yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not getting a lot of sleep right now, but I am putting out a lot of content. That's really cool. I mean, it, it kind of speaks to that idea of, again, kind of like practicing in public and probably as a professional comedy writer, it's like, you know, the, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And then, you know, it's that old mantra of, you know, be so good, they can't ignore you, right? <laughs> yeah, and they certainly ignored me for a very long time. I mean, yeah. they could ignore you for an extended period. But yeah, that's that, that's what Twitter really gave me is it was kind of a testing ground. I, I'd like to think I was always funny. I knew how to write a good joke, but I've gone back and looked to my early days and, and those were terrible. I would be I would be embarrassed to tweet something today that I tweeted in 2012. So it wasn't just a matter of finding an audience and getting it out there. It was that factor of hearing back which jokes mm -hmm. work and which don't through you know likes and retweets uh, that made all the difference. And that would be my advice to anybody else who is trying to to break into comedy writing is you've got to get to a place where you can test out your writing just writing for yourself with no feedback is is never going to do you any good because you're never going to improve and you, you do need to improve because everybody who's ever written a joke thinks they're as good as they're ever going to be right at that moment i even think it i think right now i'm as good as i'm ever going to be and i guarantee you two years from now i'm going to look back and think man i was terrible why did i write those things yeah yeah uh the new one's coming out and uh what are you presently working on is you have another deadline looming so i assume you're working on a, a third book yeah so I, I i took a little different approach this time so this the second book was the hardest book I've written because it was kind of one big overarching argument I had to carry through an entire book. It's it's hard to do that, you know, for 50 or 60,000 words to kind of maintain one thread and still be funny. So for my new one, I wanted to go more of the short burst approach. So my first book was Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse, kind of yeah. a more surrealist approach to parenting. And I'm going to try <laughs> that again with my third book that's going to come out in the fall of next year that... Um, I just wanted to take a bunch of different crazy survival scenarios and, and add kids to them. How do you fight off a shark attack if you're also with a kid? How? What do you do if your child gets abducted by aliens? What do you do if an yeah. ostrich attacks and you're with your kid? Just all these absurd scenarios. And it's been it's been a lot of fun to write. It's almost like improv comedy. You just set it up here. Here's you. Here's your kid. Here's this random attacker. Go. And it's come together really quick. And it's actually I've tried writing this one in a new way. Uh, I know you always ask people how they how they write. And usually I'm yeah. so my first book I wrote on a computer 
computer. My second book, I wrote mostly on my phone because I realized I was doing all my tweets and all of my online stuff on there anyway. Hmm. And it just worked really well. You don't hit the giant blank screen. It's a smaller blank screen, so it's less intimidating. And uh, I found that I could swipe words on there just slow enough that I wouldn't get distracted. By the time I got to the end of one sentence, I would know what to write for the next one rather than wandering off and browsing the internet. So I thought that was you know, the most efficient way. But then with this, this third one, I, uh, I started using voice to text and uh, it changed everything. I wrote <laughs> the first day I tried using voice to text, I, I wrote 10,000 words in a day. It, it blew me away. Wow. And I was really worried. I was like, well, those are 10,000 words. What if they're terrible? And I went back. And I mean, they were terrible, but they were first draft terrible. They were just as terrible as anything else I write yeah. on the first draft. So it was, that was really encouraging. So I think, so I've since then, I've, I've got an email list that I send out every week. And I've, every time I start a new article, I, I now always do the first draft voice to text because it gets it out there fast. You don't worry about going back and second guessing yourself or fixing what you did. And it just, it gets the bones of the article or the book down really fast. And I found that's the best way for me. Yeah, that's great because obviously writing is rewriting and yes. uh, you can't edit a blank page to other um, <laughs> tired tropes. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think so many authors have said, you know, or, you know, I guess uh, the Seth Godin quote is, I don't get writer's block because uh, I don't, you know, I, I write like I talk and I don't yeah. get, and I don't get talker's block. So <laughs> um, you just kind of put it to the ultimate test there and it seems to be working for you. Yeah, I, I, it's exciting. It's exciting. I tell everybody I, I know about it. Well, other writers, I don't know that many writers, but I, I don't know if it's, if it's the thing a lot of people would try, but it, it's kind of neat because you can just kind of go walk around in the woods or like, oh, what I'll do at home sometimes if all the kids and everybody are home, I'll just go and circle the block and I'll come back and I'll have a first draft done. And that's just so much easier than, than sitting at a computer. Except that blank screen, it's, just, it's psychological, you know, it's just, it's looming there in front of you. But if the blank screen is tiny and you don't even have to look at it, you can just look ahead of you as you walk and talk and uh, it make it makes it a lot faster for me. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm sure with, with, um, kids and cats and dogs and everything, <laughs> um, it's hard, probably harder to focus and concentrate if you are working at home. Do you have a home office or? Yeah, I do. Uh, but it, it runs into some problems. So this is also where, so I have a pet pig and a pet dog, and this is where we lock them during the day. Their doggy door goes in and out from, from here. So <laughs> every time I do a podcast before 9 PM, when the pig goes to bed, when the kids go to bed, she sleeps upstairs in their room. But the, at some point here, if we record long enough, you're going to hear a lot of oinking in the background as she bursts yeah. in. And it's, so, so it's, it's here and it's nice, but it's really not a total sanctuary until everyone's in bed. So before that, it's nice to be able to get up and walk around. And then when I do that too, I don't feel like I'm completely ignoring my family. I'm out there with them, kind of, sort of. It alleviates a little bit of that dad guilt. Thanks so much for joining us for this half of a tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the writer files, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. And for more episodes or just to leave a comment or a question, you can always drop by writerfiles.fm and chat with me on Twitter at Calton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. Oh, 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 o